Welcome to Ciao Bella, hosted by me, Erica Firpo, travel journalist based in Rome. Each episode of Ciao Bella, I sit down with Italy's creators, contemporary artists and artisans, designers, culinary experts, heritage brands, and innovative estites, and more who are defining and redefining 21st century Italy. Pull up a chair and join in. Hey, welcome back to Ciao Bella. Today I'm in Montepulciano with... Michele Manelli of Sauchetto, which is a beautiful 58-hectare winery. Correct. Just a stone throw away from Montepulciano. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 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 how would you say? <laughs> a flying? No. A, ju- a jump away from uh, Montepulciano. A jump, uh, just a jump away, but we're not, we're not going to jump. We're just jumping into wine. So thanks for joining me. Here we go. I came from um, come from Modena, but in fact I didn't come from Modena. When I was 12, my family moved to France, uh, where they still live, all of them. Uh, I came back to to Italy uh, for my university in Milan, and then I started little by little moving south. <laughs> wow! Uh, I thought I would have been going more deep into south, but I stopped here. And, and I and I and I stayed and I rooted myself. Um, so you just from carte blanche decided to open a winery or to I, to acquire. A I think I always like to say that I had three dreams as a kid: being a farmer, an entrepreneur, and a politician. And uh, I, I, I fulfilled <laughs> I fulfilled the three the, all, all of them. Because farmer. I'm a farmer and a businessman because I do a lot of polit- active politics with, the, with everything that uh, I contributed uh, in the last decade, particularly in the, in the wine Italian value chain for the sake of sustainability. I, I did quite, uh, quite a lot. I also worked in, in uh, networks, also European level. And, and it's, it's, it's a lobby kind of politics, but, uh, but, but I had his results. So I'm satisfied, yeah. I will actually, one of the things maybe we have the time to speak about is the Qualitas project. It's the standard, the, 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 one of the most, I think, I mean, consider, it's considered probably the most advanced standard on wine sustainability was created uh, based on, on this initiative that I founded in 2013 together with Professor Scienza, the, 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 uh, appointed by Gambero Rosso, Nevini, and Feder Doc. We did this project of, of, uh, of, uh, of a forum, putting together all the research teams, uh, 34 among universities and different entities that were working on sustainability. We did two years of uh, analysis. And we proposed this, uh, um, let's say, uh, um, with, with a, a book, basically. Uh, uh, it was a report that was extremely deep. We proposed what we would need to go further to create a sustainability standard for wine for, uh, for, uh, for our industry. Feder Doc and Nunevini, so two, two bodies which represent the, the Italian value chain of wine, picked the opportunity, and uh, so we politically created the, 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 the also the harmony between the different, uh, the different uh, entities. And so in 2015-16, uh, 
Qualitas was created, it's a company. Qualitas. A quality owned by these uh, the, the entities. Oh, what I saw outside on the cartello. And started to promote this uh, super advanced standard in 2017-18. Today, it's, it's finally taking off. There are uh, uh, 50, yeah, maybe 50 already wineries that are certified. Across Italy? Across Italy with uh, uh, some of them involve hundreds of, uh, of, of uh, farmers because they are co-ops like Cadiro, the number two co-op, uh, number one co-op and number two winery in Italy is also already certified wow. now. And they do a great job. And not just, it's not just a certification for the aesthetics. It's really, it needs to go very deep in your, in your organization. It's very complete. I'm currently the, the vice president of this body, and, uh, and I have, uh, I'm in charge of uh, my, my, my new my new research field in the last years has been a social pilaster of sustainability. After doing a lot on environment, I think we did a lot here at Sarketo in, in, in the, the first decade. I moved my interest, my, interest, my will to go further more on the social aspects, especially the labor uh, dynamics and. And uh, so now this is my this is my actually uh, duty in inequality is to, to try to to to, to, uh, to push the, the, the standards and, the, and in general. The, the so I'm, I'm guessing that means fair wage. Exactly, uh, you know, uh, uh, how do you call it? equal opportunities mm -hmm. in, the, in the value chain or uh, governance matters or. Uh, you know, transparency in the management of work uh, or uh, uh, access uh, for, for youngs uh, to, the, to the labor market. Uh, when I arrived, first of all, we were in the 90s. And in the 90s, you, um, we, I was certainly bringing my personal values, which were definitely oriented to that kind of uh, sensibility. Uh, even though I've never been, and I'm still not, I still not consider myself uh, an extremist of uh, uh, an eco warrior, let's say, for mm -hmm. example, at all. Um, but uh, but uh, I had a value. Of, uh, I needed to, to 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 do something. I, I wanted to to do something to protect, to preserve, to make uh, the society and the environment better. It was a, it was really a need when you're born, as I am. Uh, the 70s, I mean, you are, or, or even in the 60s, 70s, you are, you are, uh, you have, you have really experienced how it deteriorated fast. <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, we were we were jumping in a river and swimming. When I was a young man, it was already impossible. It was polluted. It was disgusting. So wow. just to make an example, I really have this this in my mind. The, the, the idea that when you when, when we were kids, we were jumping in a river. In northern Italy, in the super popular river, we were swimming, and at some point this river became an enemy. And so it's, it's a big difference, and then you, it's a shock. Uh, then, um, uh, so those personal values you, you would transmit to them into your job, but uh, it was not your priority. Your priority, and my priority here was to make quality wine, to be an arti artisan of quality. That was the mo business model that was actually innovative in the, still in, in the 90s. Uh, but I quickly understood that, uh, that we could do something more. So uh, in, within the, 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 the movement of uh, corporate social responsibility, we were starting to breathe and flare in the, in the 90s. And uh, we understood, many entrepreneurs understood that uh, 
you could make a big jump. So the jump of not just uh, doing a little nice thing for, for, for the system, for the society, but to become really the, the player who, 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 who makes things become better. So that's what I say to the big. That's the real, real thing. You know, just uh, if you don't mind for our listeners, I'd love for you to, in a nutshell, kind of, in a, in a, explain, you know, I think a lot of people think of, you know, they, 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 they you know, we, we know that what organic vineyards are, um, we know what that means, but yours is a lot more comprehensive. Um, and I just wish, in, in the sense that it's not simply that you're making organic wine, um, it's, it goes far beyond that, as you were saying earlier. So I'm wondering if you don't mind just taking a second out after you eat your papavarbelle. No. I'll keep talking and then I'll put the bite in my mouth <laughs> and I'll stop talking. But if you could just describe the, the grander scope of Salchetto. Okay. Yeah, well, I think that uh, we, are, we are very much, very well uh, aligned in, in considering that the scope is very wide. And, uh, and uh, so, uh, the scope is uh, to uh, be sure that our agriculture is regenerative, as we like to say, to be sure that our uh, the, 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 the industrial part that is involved in winemaking, because winemaking is, a, is an heavy industry too, it, 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 has, it needs to transform grape and bottle them and involves a lot of raw materials and packagings and so on, and then distributes them worldwide. It's, it's a, it's an heavy industry, and it's and it's very big, also in terms of numbers. Consider that Europe only produces something like 26 billion bottles every year, the equivalent of that. So uh, it, it's it's big. It's not uh, uh, it's something heavy. So it has its impact. And uh, anyway, um, just a, a, an example. Uh, consider that if we if we 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 will we played with the numbers of 2013 back in time of of uh, world gas in greenhouse gas emissions, 48 percent, no sorry, 58 percent of the emissions uh, that are yearly accounted worldwide comes from the production of, let's say, everyday consumption. So basically, everything is happening in in the businesses in the firms, in the transformation businesses, the service businesses, because they're related, of course. So, agricultural business. So that's where we have to act to change society, because there, there is needs to be a new deal between the consumer and the producer. So, coming back to my field, I am for an agriculture that measures is in fact our this international global phenomenon. So, I have to account the gasoil that I put in the tractor, am I efficient, can I reduce it, uh, for example. So this is exactly the, the, the approach. And it's the same when you get into the cellar. Uh, what am I doing with the cooling of my vats uh, during the fermentation and all the fridge uh, that I need to be involved? Can I do something bad? Can I reduce, can I find an alternative? Same for packaging. Can I, this bottle is uh, simply the result of, because uh, when we talk about Salchetto being the first to make a carbon footprint, and I don't want to talk two hours about carbon footprint because it's not the only problem. Climate is not the only problem, <laughs> okay? Uh, but, it's a, but it's a significant one. And, um, but this is, is, a, is a great example, because in, in 2009, when we made the first carbon footprint, we were already building the new cellar. And we were thinking that the big new cellar was the real change and the real you know, innovation that would 
would create a revolution. Oh, yeah. oh, the, the, the energy independent cell. You know what we found out? That the bottle was more impactful than the cellar. The production of the glass bottle. That's great. Yeah. Amazing. Who would have known? Who would have known? So we found out that 32% okay. of the problem was the bottle and only 15 was this, 15, say 17 was the cellar. Just to, 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 to give you an example. So, so what was interesting, and that's the good part of the of the monitoring and, and, and of the transformation of the of the paradigm. The paradigm is I find the problem and now that I'm conscious I can find the solution. We took four years, three years, and we tried the bagging box, we tried alternatives, it was not possible for every product, it was difficult for the market, blah blah blah. We found a local producer making a lighter bottle, and we reduced uh, that was reducing just in the 32 percent of uh, of uh, over 60 percent. So, wow. just to to give you the numbers, so that's exactly the good example of, of how we have to to approach the problem. We have to continuously monitor in within a global a global uh, framework to be able to see the critical. Uh, aspects and f try to find solutions to always get better. This is true for, I repeat, uh, global uh, warming, it's true for biodiversity losses, it's true for water waste, uh, and, and now it's also true for, because again, uh, we are uh, systems that need to also be resilient economically, so we have to also be, grow the quality of the economical approach to the problem, but again, the real challenge now is also to make this become more virtuous in terms of uh, uh, social dimension. So the way we businesses interact with their workers, the way businesses interact with their communities where they stand on. This is, this is the view. It was not short, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I just feel bad for your pasta. So explain, explain to me again why you're neonatural. We are neonatural because we uh, wanted to fulfill the expectations of our, the expectation of our consumer our transparency uh -huh. on the one hand so we definitely wanted to explore a way of winemaking without so without any addition so we were already took out the selected this and we got indigenous we started to take away uh, sulfur from the fermentation but uh, uh, we were still related to the sulfur during the aging and the refinement because of its uh, capacity to address bacterially the wine in a certain direction that was preserving only the fruit in the nose and uh, uh, rather than in the other direction where you don't use sulfur because sulfur is really what makes the great difference you were getting uh, oxidations like uh, from bread crust aromatics I'm just making some examples uh, the reduction with like a butan gas or a petrol or a smoky aromatics or uh, again the volatile uh, acidities uh, that are bringing acetic notes, uh, balsamic notes, uh, but also sapidity. Or again the famous breath, this uh, uh, yeast that, 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 that is uh, bacteria yeast that, uh, that brings this uh, stable, uh, stable aromatic. These aromatics that have been called, I think fall, wrongly defaults for a long time, have been called out by the naturalists saying, no, this is the true aromatic. I don't consider this true aromatic. I just consider it an aromatic that combined with the fruit and the terroir can be very funny and, and pleasant. So that's why I want to be the neonatural, because I, I think that we have to be clear in saying that these are not 
they, they cannot overwhelm the fruit. They need to be beside the fruit and create a diversity and, and a liveliness in the world. Because the, the, oh, the liveliness is crazy because you can never predict what you're going to get. You're gonna, you, you can get a little bit more of this or, 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 or aromatic or the other one, but, and this is also a liveliness. But um, uh, I, I don't accept uh, the idea that it is uh, the, uh, the, the, the purpose. It's just one of the means, but it must be in a, in a, in a greater, in, inserted in a greater picture. Because we're in multiple channel, uh, beautiful, beautiful area in Tuscany. Uh, and I think, you know, I think... Come on, would you? Yeah, come on. Just <laughs> it, looks, it looks nice. It looks nice, right. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, I, Everybody loves Italy. Everybody loves Montepulciano. But I, you know, I think that one of the funny things about Montepulciano is Vino Nobile. What do people know about it? So I want you to, I want you to tell us a little bit about Vino Nobile and then about your wine. First of all, let me say that Vino Nobile is in Tuscany. Okay. <laughs> good. Oh, good. Good one. Good one. It's a good one. Because as you know, Montepulciano, the city where we are standing now, is a one of the most historical wine city of Italy, historically. But uh, since it was so popular, it's, it's actually a victim of his, uh, his long time fame. Because uh, considering in the 1600s, it was considered a school of quality wine for all Italy. And it gave inspiration to other areas, for instance, to Abruzzo. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the, 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 I want to make it simple. But there are interesting research who supports this, uh, this um, explanation, this vision. Um, but it is, uh, it is quite clear that uh, when, when viticulture started in Abruzzo, in the internal, in Sulmona, in the Apennines, it was connected to Tuscany and connected to the Medici. Wow. And, uh, and uh, when it slowly, during 1700s, moved and developed and moved to the coast, where today we see the big heavy industry, it uh, started to, 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 to be named the Montepulciano in Abruzzo. Not because of a vigno, of a vine or a connection, but because of, a, of an inspiration, of a dedicated uh, idea of quality to Montepulciano. So imagine how cool we, we were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay? Now, of course, it's, it's creating a short circuit because we are small and not popular because we didn't, we didn't grab the, 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 the good train or early enough after the, the, in the 70s, 80s. And uh, because we, we were, there was a lot of wine production in Montepulciano, much more than in Montalcino, to make an example. And I don't make this example by chance because Montalcino is the world most famous uh, wine uh, in Tuscany and, and one of the top of Italy. But the story of viticulture started there in the 80s, 90s. When here it was already established, but it was established in a more popular way, let's be honest. So even though there was a great tradition, there was some producer who, were, who picked this great uh, know-how and actually made the first DOCG of Italy. The first DOC and DOCG were, was Montepulciano, but it was a small representation. The bigger numbers were still on quantity and not quality. So in this stay, in this era, Montepulciano didn't catch the train. And so, so at some point when the Abruzzo became a large uh, producer, popular worldwide for his, uh, his nice, uh, fresh, fru fru fruity young wines, uh, we got squeezed uh, at 
least in terms of name confusion. So first thing, we are in Tuscany. Second <laughs> thing is that uh, uh, we have this great long, long, uh, long history, uh, and this is a value because it brings you information. So when I arrived here in the 90s, I already found an incredible amount of, of information, qualified information to, st to start my, my own operation, because that's the fruit, the fruit of history. And um, second, or thirdly, let me say that the terroir is really interesting for Sangiovese, uh, and uh, especially for where the trends of taste are going. Because uh, if I, to make a simple comparison, I think we are the more Burgundian among the Tuscan great wines. Oh. Because we are, uh, due to the clay soils, due to the more continental climatic, due to the uh, influence of the Trasimeno Lake, which is just behind it, that hill, we get to, we, we get to the, we get to a, to a, uh, maybe a smaller body, so we are less concentrated in terms of phenolics than, for example, Montalcino. But uh, we have an incredible balance between alcohol and acidity, and in general, a more, su more supported acidity, which is going to be at the backbone of our wine and the backbone of freshness in the glass. So this, I think, is the key to read. It's more on the elegance, so more on the deepness than on the, on the largeness, mm -hmm. and it's always very fresh and, 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 and well supported by city, so this is also making it a great pair with food, even greater than other Sangiovese. And then there are little nuances which are part from the terroir, part from the people, because people are also part of the terroir, <coughs> which is the use of less wood, so keeping the fragrance of the fruit, the, uh, because also we don't need it. <coughs> and uh, uh, the hint of minerality, this uh, salty, uh, saltiness in the mouth, uh, but also this, uh, you know, earthiness in the nose. It's a, it's a, it's actually the, this we could call it minerality. So it's a characteristic that is pleasant. So again, it is a, it is a way, it is a kind of wine style that is very contemporary. So in so Montepulciano is very versatile, <coughs> but uh, intriguing at the same time. That's the. That's the idea of, uh, and I think so. I think Vino Nobile has great chances to be successful, also by its price, because compared to uh, Brunello, mm -hmm. we are half the price. And I, and I don't want to make the challenge with Brunello. Brunello <laughs> no, Brunello, no, Brunello remains what it is. Montepulciano doesn't uh, need and, and, and should not aim to be Brunello. Brunello is Brunello. In my in my opinion, the position of Montepulciano is more of um, really a. a more of a living wine, of a union wine, of a wine for a meal, of a wine of elegance and quality. I'm not saying uh, pop, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever experience, which is which is appreciated, which which I do with other wines, but not in Vino Nobile, okay? Nothing against the pop either, but Vino Nobile should just have this, uh, this idea of uh, of uh, elegant around the table, wine that puts together people because it's not too, too because it's understandable, even though it's quality. This is the approach of, uh, of, of Montepulciano. I think it, it, has, it can have this place. In Salco, so the, which is the mature vineyard still today, I, uh, I want to express definitely a quality which is more, uh, a little bit more classic. So a little bit more, uh, I want to express a little bit more the verticality of Sangiovese. I want to, uh, how can I say, 
close maybe with a slight bitterness, uh, but of course also bring uh, out this uh, freshness and minerality a lot. So it's, uh, I'm not saying that I that I that I don't that I didn't try to uh, to attempt to 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 to, 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 to ease the wine up uh, when, because when I say contemporary, I said contemporary before a few times. Uh, I think that the. The being contemporary in the taste is also trying to listen a little bit more to the expectation of the consumers because that's what we didn't do in the 90s and the 2000s. The, the winemakers were doing the sublime quality as they thought, like the, in the elite thought the quality. And uh, okay, it was a way to, 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 to probably also make people dream and uh, it was a good start for the quality wine uh, evolution. But uh, uh, the consumer started quickly to say, you know what, your words, your theories, it's fun, but I'm not having fun. I want, I want for example, softness. I want, uh, I don't know, uh, for example, uh, sometimes more meatiness. I want so, uh, this, this and that, I don't know. And so, and so in this sense, uh, I have uh, tried also to, come to, to listen to this and so I say, and so in this sense, um, yeah, the, the Salco is, uh, is, uh, wants to, to, to look a little bit more to this, to this uh, classic idea, more personality in this sense. The, the Nobile wants to be, yes, intriguing, but uh, a little bit more listening to, the, to, to everybody. It's a pretty way to describe them. Mm-hmm. Salchetto, what does that mean? Uh, Salchetto is uh, uh, the name of a creek bordering the winery from the foot of the town of Montepulciano. Uh, it starts, digs this valley, goes all the way to the Montepulciano Lake, which is in the middle of the Chiana Valley. Uh, and uh, and uh, it's probably related to the name Salco, other, the other one name, uh, which is a, a way to call the willow tree in ancient Tuscan. Ah. The willow tree was abounding, it's a tree that likes water, so it was abounding along this, uh, this creek, and it's a tree that has a connection with the, um, the wine territories, because the, uh, with the branches of the willow tree, which are flexible, mm-hmm. you would tie it up the vines to the plots. Mm-hmm. Oh, Until uh, 20, well, no, 20, no, not anymore 20, it was 20 when I was uh, starting, <laughs> it was 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> And so, yeah, the, the, so these are the connections, Salchetto, because Salchetto was probably the creek of the, of the Salcos, the willow trees. Okay. Salchetto, that's, that, that, these are the connections. Hey, my, my, my other question is, there's so many beautiful bottles and shapes. Would you oh. recommend to us, you know? A bigger one? Yeah, yeah, because uh, three liter. Yeah. Do you want to take it? No, 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 so, no, so, no, the reason why he's bringing this up, <laughs> tell him why you're bringing this up. Mm, tell me. He's bringing it up because, uh, I brought him a Magnum wine, and we had a great dinner with friends, and we had brought out the Magnum, and it was perfect. And so then he was like, we should only have big bottles of wine. And I said, that's a good thing to think about. No, the large, the large formats are beautiful for, in every sense because they are, they are joy, they are like the abundance, uh, party, quality because of the, of the idea of... Uh, it's a share, that was the sharing. 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 I think since we are the sharing in theory society, I think Nobby is a sharing. And big bottles are also sharing. 
Big bottles cannot be for, for one person. No, in fact, that's what it was great. We had, I mean, the only time we've had people in our house this entire year for, you know, for, for, night, for 12 months, we had Julia, right? It was Julia. It was like family. It was Julia. She's, she's our babysitter, our daughter, but not really our daughter. She's, we love her so much. So we ate outside on the terrace. We had a big bottle. And it was great because it just, it was really easy. But I guess also they have probably like less of a carbon footprint too because they're big yeah, format. Yeah, you, you do. Less carbon footprint and then uh, uh, less oxygen per bottle. Okay. So you have uh, an evolution which is slower in the, during the, the years of refinement. And this is what typically makes the, the big bottles fancier because they can be in theory lasting for long. This is more true. It's something that we consider for every kind of of wine, the, the prestige of the big bottle. But in fact, it is really true only for champagne to be clear. Oh. Yeah, it's because there, this this this. Uh, the, the disproportion also related to the liquor expedition, so the, so the addition that is made during the the, 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 the gorgement is, is making a much bigger difference in the evolution. In the red wines, it's, it's, it can be discussable because sometimes a, a higher quantity of oxygen can be, uh, can be more balanced for the evolution of the wine. So what I want to say is that the myth is Bigger, better. Yeah, that's what I always heard. And so let, let's keep the meat. I don't want to, <laughs> but uh, but it's uh, but it, with the red with the top red wines, it's not really true. You know what I just realized? I have two bigger is better just because it's more fun. I was looking on your website, and I'm, if I'm not mistaken, on the website, is it possible that you can put in yeah, your you location yeah. and see the the carbon yeah, yeah. footprint? I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was a project I did in 2012. And um, so, uh, and uh, because it was exactly, it was still, it was compelling with the same idea of, you know, you have to make a deal with the consumer. And uh, considering that we are, um, and, 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 and the deal can also be a deal of transparency. Oh yeah, yeah. No, this was inter it's interesting because you know, considering the deal, the deal of transparency is, I know I have an impact. And by the way, I, this can be embarrassing. Especially if you consider, for example, in our, in our uh, market that we sell wine worldwide. And we sell also wine in places where there is already wine. So, for example, imagine how come, I, 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 how can I be sustainable in selling a bottle of wine in California? Mm. And Cali because California is one of the most, how can I say? Uh, impactful destination in terms of transportation. So, because it's really one of the most impactful destinations because you have to go to New Jersey and transport by, by truck, typically, mm -hmm. all the way to, to California. But anyway, and there is a local comparison because you have wine in uh, Napa, Sonoma, yeah. whatever. So the, the yeah. Yeah, but, the, but actually that was my, my communication. You know, I did this communication in 2012 when we launched this. It was we uh, we looked for uh, for testimonials around the world, yeah. and we were trying to show two things. The first thing we wanted to show is that okay, now that I know what's the impact, if it's really worth it, I can offset. For example, the testimonial in San Francisco was a, was a one guy who said, okay, today I want to drink a bottle of Nobile. 
I know it's more dot uh, kilo compared to Napa. For the next three days, I go to work with the wow. bicycle. <laughs> oh, I like oh, wow. that. I like that. That's awesome. It's, it's nice, awesome. no? Yeah, and, and then the other So we should be walking home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, but you live in Rome. It's okay. Yeah. And you came here it's to so drink far. the wine, so it's okay. You, okay, that's right. We came here. <laughs> and this was uh, actually a key thing because you were, you were actually proposing the dynamic, the right dynamic. I need to, to be responsible of my beer, but, but you know, but I can also find a solution. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the other hand, there was a great concept, this quality. Because honestly, it's useless. It's really useless, period, to drink a bad wine from Italy in California. Yeah. You have a bad wine, you can find a bad wine even in California. Oh yeah. Right? <laughs> so if you really have to go for the, the thing, at least look for a good bottle. <laughs> that's the, so that's, that's a great good. point. Okay, so we don't have to walk walk home. I was a little worried. <laughs> but we only ride bicycles anyway. Can I, so you, you founded this basically 25 years ago. How old were you? Mm, when I started, I was in my 20s. I was 22, 23. Wow, that's really young. Yeah. I mean, how was that in Montepulciano, in Tuscany, to be so young at a winery? Well, at the time it was easy because uh, there was so much growth that you could make a lot of mistakes and not pay the bill. So that's <laughs> nice. So, but it, yeah, if I think about it now, it was harder to be credible. Yeah. A little harder. So you live here as well? Yeah. In, in and you know, when I was walking around, I noticed. Not at the winery anymore, but I used to live here the first years. Okay. But in the area, I guess. Um, I noticed that there's that. that Rectangular structure is the compost. Is that where it says salcedo? No, no, that's the uh, depuration. Oh, that's for the water. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I saw all the holes, like the not that there's like mini pods to let the natural light come into. Oh yes, yes. This is the, everything that you see on the terrace mm -hmm. is uh, light conveyors. Because what I read is that the, your your cantina. So I read it. I, I heard it called off grid cantina, and that there is. It's in all fact, the correct thing would be would be off gridable. Upgradable? Yeah, in the sense that we never, we could have, uh, you know, cut the connection totally, we cut from gas or, mm. uh, but uh, we didn't cut the electricity because uh, at the time, uh, since the line uh, was already uh, was already set, so we had already an electricity supply, uh, we are using the the net the, the grid. As a, as a storage for our renewable ones. Because oh. if, you, if you want to cut completely, you have to put some batteries so that the electricity that you produce during the day, you can use it store, or yeah. any way you can, you can you know, balance flexibility that you need. In our case, the, uh, the flexibility is done by uh, exchanging with the grid, which is also efficient, of course, more efficient in a way, but, uh, but uh, at the time it was really impossible. We couldn't going going off grid uh, in 2008 would have been really a jump in the in the, in, in really troubles and big cost and, and uh, the batteries were not uh, the same technology as of today. Today you have better technology on batteries, so you could you could do it more easily. But it has no sense. We have the grid, so we can exchange. We we produce and sell to the grid, and we rebuy from the grid. So it's uh, it's the same. 
So that's why I say off-gridable, because even the off-grid concept is, is, is not a codified concept. Oh. So, uh, the, when at the time we started the off-grid project, uh, we joined with uh, a group of uh, young, uh, crazy entrepreneurs and researchers that uh, um, were uh, uh, looking to create the off-grid house. And they actually did, hmm. at an experimental level. Then they, and then they reconverted this expertise into the off-grid box, which is a container that you can buy to try to create a, a more independence on your house. Oh. Or if you are like in an extreme location, for example, they sell this a lot to, uh, to uh, some, some villages in uh, very, very wild and uh, underdeveloped areas of Africa or, or to uh, humanitarian projects, ONGs that need to create a camp. So the, the, the off-grid box is a, a box which inside you have everything to create electricity, clean water, heating. So, so if, you, if you connect it to your house in a garden, you, it can become a, a way to of, of create it. But I repeat, even then, they are using it as a, it, 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 it has application in an extreme situation. Here, where you have the grids, doesn't make sense to okay. cut from the grids for water because again we recycle 100 percent of our water, but it doesn't make any sense to, to cut, cut completely. Yeah. Yeah. I like that expression off-gridable. I think that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, in fact, we started with the off-gridable because the off-grid was one was very clear as a message, but yeah. the off-grid never and will probably never become a reality in in uh, urbanized areas like we are. Mm -hmm. So basically. The concept that we try to represent is energy independence. How would you describe uh, the off-gridable, like the energy that we're seeing being used here? This is all, is, it's all natural energy, it's all solar. Oh, self-produced. Yes. It's all self-produced yes, energy. Yes. So everything, and all the water is recycled. Yes. And also, and as I say, we, we I think, yeah, again, the energy independence means that you produce your energy by renewables. And of course, it's, it would be suitable to be able to produce your energy by uh, also uh, uh, considering savings, because I think that there will be, at the moment, it's, it's, a, it's too sophisticated, but uh, I think that uh, uh, we will need to also qualify for, uh, for a, an independence that base on, that is based first on, on, on savings, because uh, the, the cleanest energy existing is the one that you don't consume. That, yeah. That's <laughs> so. It's uh, so uh, the light conveyors, the passive uh, uh, climate that we have in the cellar. This is uh, the, the cleanest energy. But this, this was the first approach. The first approach: where can we save? And that's, so from there you can start on how can I produce what I need. And, 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 and again, there is another further dimension that was very interesting at the time is when I produce, I should also make comparison on how efficient is the energy I produce. I'll make an example. I, I have a lot of uh, wood waste, the pruning, for example. So. Uh, I could do one thing is I produce a lot of heat 
I convert it in, and, I, and I, when I need heat, I take it from there. But if I need electricity, I convert heat in electricity. If I need cool, I convert electricity in cool. You have a lot of losses compared mm -hmm. to the original energy that you, that you have generated and consumed at the, at the first uh, step. Instead, what, for example, we did at the time was to try to say, okay, heat, we need heat, we create heat. We need cold, we create direct cold. We need electricity, we create electricity. No crossing, because there is a pyramid. The pyramid is electricity is on top, and you can do everything with that, okay. without losing. But in the sense of uh, the, the value of the kilowatt. But and, and as soon as you start moving around from the pyramid from down up, you start to, to lose efficiency. Okay. In this, and I'm not criticizing, if you have a ton of waste and you, and, you, uh, and, you, and you use it because your waste is always there and you don't know what to do, I think it's already an efficiency. Don't, don't, don't make me wrong. But uh, this is also another dimension. What I'm saying is that there are no rules that are really always working everywhere for everybody. There is a kind of uh, uh, what in Italian we would call, actually, let, help me with the translation, one sense of. Good sense? Good sense, common sense, good common sense. Common sense say, teaches us that we need to, to, to always, uh, uh, always uh, um, you know, relate what we do or what we think to our specific condition. What are important are the rules. Again, come back to the famous rules on how we parameter, measure, uh, communicate, and transparency, blah, blah, blah. This, I think, is, is, is even more important than if I choose one solution more than another. This is the way I rate and measure this solution compared to the, to the global problem. Because a, we're always connected to a global problem anyway. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Ciao Bella. If you'd like to know more about today's guest, please visit ciaobella.co and click on the podcast link or go directly to ciaobella.co backslash podcast. Want more Italy? You can find all my episodes on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher. When you have time, subscribe to iTunes and rate the podcast. What are you waiting for? And if you want to be part of the podcast, email me or DM me your Italy questions. To learn more about me and my work, go to my website, ericafirpo.com, and follow my Italy adventures on Instagram at ericafirpo. Ciao, bella! And a very big thank you and hug to Massimiliano Yonta and Disc to Disc Studios, the producers of Ciao, Bella, who continue to make me sound and feel great. 